Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Galatians chapter 6, we've been speaking on the verge, and this is the last uh, message on the series that we've been doing on the verge. And Galatians 6, starting in verse 9, uh, King James Version puts it this way. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. Uh, the message version puts it this way. So let us not allow ourselves to get fatigued in doing good. At the right time, someone say right time. We will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Omaha, uh, not Omaha, Upu. Upu's back there this time, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. Give Upu a round of applause this morning as well. We've been speaking on the verge because I really believe that too many of us give up on the verge of breakthroughs in our lives. We give up on our marriage too soon. We give up on our sobriety too soon. We give up on getting out of debt. We give up on our health. And so many times we give up when we're on the verge of a breakthrough. And this morning I want to encourage you because the, the last message I'm going to share with you today, I really should be turning into maybe a four-week study on, on this thing. But uh, I, I need to get this done. And so we're going to do all these points right now. And so this is going to be like a shotgun. It's just going to go out there. You're going to have to listen to it on podcasts later, later on to break it down. But I want you to turn your Bibles with me to 2 Chronicles. It tells the story of the completion of Solomon's temple. How many have ever heard of Solomon's temple? Raise your hand. If you know anything about Solomon's temple, Solomon's temple was one of the most outrageous, outlavish, expensive buildings that had ever been created. There was so much gold on every inch of this place that when you walked in to the holy place or into the, the, the outer court, into the holy place, you would find it at literally uh, layered in pure gold. Pure gold. And then you go into the holy of holies, the same thing. Everywhere you went, you saw gold and everything was done to so much detail because that detail was supposed to be a reflection. The Old Testament tabernacle or or temple was a picture of us today that God put just as much time and effort and detail into creating you as he did the temple that he dwelt in. Come on, somebody. And so I want you to understand that in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, Solomon completes his temple, and this is the culmination of Solomon finishing the temple. Read with me in verse 1. It says, When Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and the glorious presence of God filled the temple. Uh, You know what? When, When God's presence shows up, things begin to happen. And I, I don't know about you, but we would trip right now if we saw fire fall down from heaven. Right? You, you know, some of y'all would need some change of, uh, another change of underwear or shorts or something like that. Because if you saw fire drop down from heaven right now, it would freak some folks out, right? Me included. But that's the way God showed up in the Old Testament. He showed up by dropping fire down. He came down and showed, showed up in fire. Look, look at verse 2. It says, the priest couldn't enter the temple of the Lord because of the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshiped the Lord God, 
saying he is good and his faithfulness endures forever. See, I, I want you to understand how many would say that was a pretty successful open house. Right? The dedicating of the temple. God's presence shows up. Fire shows up. The priest can't enter in. I mean, God's glory shows up. The power of God shows up so great that the priest can't even enter in. And we look at Solomon's temple, the glory of, of how he erected it, the, the gold and the expense that went into building this place. But I want you to understand something, something that's very important, is that our successes today are the result of someone else's sacrifices yesterday. Say it again, Pastor. The successes you experience today are the result of someone else's sacrifice yesterday. See, I need you to understand the things that you are experiencing today aren't because you're so off the hook. It's because there were some people behind you that believed enough in you to invest in who you were in order to help push you on to get to where you're going. Nobody ever gets anywhere of significance by themselves. We all need someone to pour into us. We all need someone that's going to plant a seed. And today I want to talk to you very quickly about seeds of greatness. That we can look at Solomon's uh, success, but had it not been for his father David. Had it not been for his father David. Solomon never would have experienced the successes that he did with the temple. Now, I want you to understand Solomon enjoyed fruit that his Dave, father David had planted. And I want you to understand every one of you is planting today something that someone else has to eat tomorrow. Say it again, Pastor. I said every one of us is planting something today that someone else has to eat tomorrow. See, your addiction doesn't just bother you. It's going to plant seeds that someone else is going to have to reap from. Your alcoholism isn't going to just affect you. It's going to affect other people that are going to follow after you. You need to understand that the choices that you make today are seeds that another generation has to deal with. And so every one of us, every one of us has choices to make. Every one of us has seeds to sow. And I want to show you real quickly nine seeds that David planted into his own son's life. And I'm going to try to fly through these very quickly this morning because that's a lot of things up there. Amen. Nine seeds. I've never tried to go over nine points in a message ever before in my life. So this is your first time. So we'll get out of here about what, 330 or so. You guys good with that? Half the church has got up and started walking out right now. Uh, Let's jump into this. The first thing I want you to see is this. We need vision. Everyone say vision. The Bible says, without vision, my people perish. In the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 28, you go back almost a, a few chapters before, King David is laying the foundation for what his son is going to celebrate later on. It says, King David rose to his feet and said, listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. I had it in my heart. Everyone say heart. I had it in my heart to build a house, a place of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the footstool of our God. For I made plans to build it. David had a vision. I'm here to tell you, Dad, you will never see your family succeed unless you have a vision for them. Okay, let me try this side. You will never have a family of success unless you have a vision for them. Amen. I I want you to understand you will never succeed in education. You'll never succeed in business. You'll never succeed in your family. You'll never succeed in other aspects of your life until you have a vision. 
you got to see yourself. David saw the temple before the first rock was even laid. And many of us are living our lives without having any vision. You're just going through life. There's no direction. David had a vision. I want you to understand everything starts with desire. Do you understand that right now you are as close to God as you want to be? Maybe not as much as you wish you were. But you are as close to God as you want to be. In fact, let me take it a step further. You are as in good of health as you want to be. Now, not as much as you wish you were. But the problem is every time you drive by in and out you pull into the drive-thru. Even though you're supposed to be eating better. Right? Right, Pastor Matt? See, you have to be able to see it before you receive it. You have to be able to see a whole marriage. You have to be able to see your kids saved. You have to see yourself free from addiction. You have to be able to see something before you're going to receive it. Somebody say amen. amen. So David had a plan, and the problem is a lot of us want things, but we don't want to go through the process of planning it out. you got to get a plan for these things. Second thing I want you to understand is this. Look at First Chronicles 28, verse 12. David said, I also gave Solomon all the plans... He had in mind for the courts of the, of the Lord. Notice this. The second thing I want you to notice that David gave was revelation. Everyone say revelation. Revelation, revelation is information that has touched your heart. Well, we all know a lot of stuff. Come on. If I talk to some of you guys about working out, you have it all in your mind. You can tell me how to work out, how to eat right, and so forth. The problem is having information doesn't change your body. It's when the information becomes revelation where you begin to put those things into practice, does it make an effect on your life? I don't care how much you read the word. If all you do is read the word, but the word never gets into your heart, you'll never change. We need the word of God to become relevatory in our lives. It has to become a revelation. And revelation is information that's touched our heart. See, I need you to understand, David gave to his son what God gave to him. God gave something to David. David then had to give to his son. I'm here to tell you, mom and dad, you can't give to the next generation what you don't have. And we're trying to give integrity to a generation when you have no integrity. You want to give them direction when you have no direction. You're trying to give them morality when you have no morals. We have to, before I can give something or impart something to someone else, I have to make sure that I have possession of those things in order to impart it to somebody else. Somebody got to hear me this morning. You see, David gave Solomon blueprints. I'm here to tell you that it's vital that we begin to give that next generation blueprints. We got to give them revelation, not just a book knowledge of who God is, but experiential of who God is. We don't need just information. We need revelation. I want to take you to the third thing. Third thing is this. You notice, and actually that, that address is wrong on, there, on, on this next one. Uh, actually, it is. You're right. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate that. Got my back. Second Chron- or First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20 says, And David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and of good courage, and do it. Someone say do it. Do not fear or be dismayed. You know, many times we try to do something for God, fear steps in. Whenever you want to make a change in your life, fear steps in. Whenever you want to move forward in life, fear steps in. Whenever you try to heal a marriage, 
fear steps in. Whenever you, go, you, you try to get well in your body, fear will step in. Fear will always be one of the loudest voices that speaks in your life when you try to get things right. But I love what, what David does. David imparts courage to his son. We need more parents that impart courage to their kids. Now, you know what? I was raised by a dad, dad and mom, and when they hear this later on, they're going to they're gonna go off on me. But we were raised in that generation where negativity was used to try to bring about positivity. Anyone remember those, those days? They, they, would, they, they thought that if they focused in on all your negative aspects, that somehow it would inspire you to become positive. I'm going to prove you wrong. But the problem is, the more you speak an atmosphere of negativity, the more negative you become. You got to watch the words that proceed out of your mouth. You got to watch the things that you speak. You got to watch the things that you declare. And I want you to notice that, that David takes time. And I even found in the raising of my own kids at times, my kids will tell you, Jazzy will tell you, Jacqueline will tell you, they would rather me spank them than yell at them. They were more afraid of my voice than they were of my belt. Because the words did more damage than the belt ever could. And so I'm here to tell you this, is that David, what he did, he pours courage into his son. And David inspired his son to stay the course. We need men and women of God that are speaking to the next generation saying, you can do it. Don't give up. Keep pressing on. It's not over. You have the ability, the talent, the anointing, the gifting. And we need to start adding courage to the generations that are coming after us. I sat with these pastors this past week and I told them that my, my prayer right now for CWC, we are at a, we're, we're at a crossroads and I was talking to them about how we are, I'm already planning my exit strategy. At 50 years old, I'm already beginning to look that in 10, 15 years, I'm going to have to start exiting out. I'm going to have to start stepping back, and I need to raise up new leadership. I need to raise up new pastors. I need people that are going to step into my place that they can continue to lead this thing. Why? Because we can't let this church grow old. We got to raise up another generation. We got a group of kids that need the Lord. We need a group of kids, a generation that we can inspire to be raised up, to become pastors, leaders, evangelists, the individuals that will raise and lead the charge for the generations to come. It's not about us anymore. You're getting into heaven. You've already been saved. It's about raising up another generation. It's about your kids. It's about your grandkids. And if we don't lay a good foundation, where are those kids going to go? It's hard to see that when you're struggling with your own crap. I'm just trying to get through your own life. But if you're a parent, you realize it's not about me. Before we had kids, it was all about, man, what kind of car I'm going to drive, place I'm going to get, I'm going to get the boat, I'm going to get this. Get All of a sudden, that kid comes, boat's gone. <laughs> boat's gone. All of a sudden, there's no boat. You got these little power wheels sitting in the front yard. All of a sudden, you know, start thinking about, yeah, I'm going to get myself a car. No, they're graduating from school, and they need a car now. I'm still driving around an 05 GMC, but it looked good. Well, my kid is driving around in a new car. There's something wrong with that. 
Somebody need to encourage me. <laughs> Every generation needs a you-can-do-it voice cheering them on. Amen? Look, look at this next scripture. Furthermore, King David said to the assembly, My son Solomon, whom is alone, God has chosen. Now, now notice, notice it is young, inexperienced, and the work is great. How many know that you, you end up you end up overwhelmed whenever the assignment on your life seems greater than your abilities. That's where stress comes in. If the assignment on your life is up here, but your abilities are down here, this is how much room you have for stress. King David is saying, my son is young and he's inexperienced and the work is great. So what does he do? He recognizes the next thing, the calling. We got to let this next generation know that there's a call on your life. There's a calling that God has on you. That word calling means to be chosen, selected, or preferred. That God literally prefers you. I want you to know, every one of you, little Daniel here sitting there, I want you to know that you're preferred by God. That God literally chose you by name. God formed you in the womb. He called you out. He ordained you. Every one of you today needs to know that you have been ordained and chosen by God. You are not a mistake. You are not a reject. You are not a mess up. That God himself himself chose you and called you by name. What am I telling you? Is that you may look right now, well, look at my weaknesses. I, I struggle with my self-esteem. I struggle in my body. I struggle in my, in my addictions or in, the, in my vices. I struggle with lust. I struggle with this. Listen, God has already factored in your mess-ups. Before God chose you, he already factored in your weaknesses. God's stronger than your weakness. Now, God's stronger than my strength, but God is stronger as well than your weakness. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing me? You're favored by God. Look with me now, this next one here. Take, take a look at this. Now, for the house of the Lord my God, I have prepared. Someone say prepared. With all my might. And David goes on to list everything that he prepared for the house of God. This speaks of commitment. Everyone say commitment. You know, the next generation doesn't have a clue what, what, what commitment really is. And it's not their fault because it hasn't been modeled for them. Their parents have divorced. Their parents have given up on things. They say, I do, but they don't. You know what I'm talking about? We join gyms, but we don't go. And you pay monthly not to go there. The only thing growing lighter is your wallet. Say it again, Pastor. You become a member of a church, but you don't go. Don't get involved. You take a job. I want this job. Man, Jacqueline wanted that job so bad. Her dream job was Toys R Us. Because working with kids. That's what she thought it was. Not realizing that when a kid walks down the aisle and takes a toy out, she has to put the toy back in and straighten it all out again. She loved kids when she got the job. She wanted to strangle them by the time she quit. We, we don't know what commitment is because we're used to, to saying yes to something, but the moment we no longer feel committed to that thing or it's not meeting my need, I'm ready to step out. We get into relationships where we say yes, but we really don't until the moment you stop meeting my need, I don't want you anymore. King David shows what commitment's all about. See, commitment will cost you something. 
We need to instill in our children what it means to be committed. What, but that word commit literally means to prepare, to set in order, to be ready. King David, now, now check this out. Don't worry, I'm not collecting an offering, even though I should after this. Take a look at this. King David gave to the building project to build the temple. This isn't today's money. The amount of gold he gave, according to the Bible, he gave 4.75 trillion, not billion, not million, trillion. Don't talk to me about cribs from MTV. (laughs) King David, trillion in gold that he could give away and still have money left. As he got to the end of his life, it wasn't about what, he, what kind of car he drove, what kind of place he lived in. David wanted to leave a legacy, and he wanted to show I was committed to something. And so he, he, he began to build, he began to bring out of his own pocket. This wasn't from the nation, this was from his own riches, because he realized, I can't take it with me anyhow. I want to make sure that there's something, a legacy that's going to outlive me. I'm here to tell you, you cannot build a family, a community, a job, a business, of of relationship without investing in it first. All of us want to get something back without investing in it. I I, I challenge any one of you, run down to the bank right now. Go knock on the door and tell the teller, I want some money. I want to take some money out. The first thing they're going to ask you is, what's your account number? Well, I ain't got one. You don't have an account number? No, I I don't bank here but I want some money. What are they going to tell you? They're going to press that little button under the... And instead of getting money, you're going to get some brand new bracelets. Some of y'all will figure that out on the way home. Because... We know the principle in finance is you can't withdraw from an account you haven't deposited into. And we're trying to withdraw from God when we haven't even deposited with God. It's not until we get sick or things begin to fall apart that we begin to call out to God. David had a lifetime of relationship with God, so he was able to investing. I want to challenge you now. Start investing with God in your time, in your efforts, in your prayer, in your commitment to God, because you cannot build anything of subsequence without an investment. Let's go on here. First Chronicles 29. In fact, worship team, if you could help me. First Chronicles 29, verse 3. It says, Moreover, I have set my affection. Someone say affection. On the house of my God. This is, this is so powerful. Because the word affection, your giving reveals where your heart is. I can tell what you value based on your checkbook. Or on your debit card. On where things are going right now. Some value food a whole lot. Some value, you know, clothing. How you look and things. Your giving reflects where your affections are. The the Bible says where your heart is, so will your treasure. Where your treasure is, so will your heart be also. I want you to understand David gave abundantly because it pleased him. Or it delighted him. That word affection, uh, David gave his affection. He gave his heart to God. See, God, more than God wanting stuff from you, God wants you. God wants your heart. God wants who you are. See, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. 
You show me any relationship where one person, all they do is receive in creation and all nature. Anything that only receives will end up dying. Anything that only receives but never gives will end up dying. Because in nature, it's been designed in cycles to receive and to give, to receive and to give. Whether it's the rain falling to the ground, going into the river, into the ocean, precipitation, taking it back up into the clouds. And then from there, all of a sudden, it begins to, it begins to rain. That cycle continues. That cycle continues also in animals. And, and animals have that cycle that take place. Plants have a cycle that take place. Women have a cycle that prove that they can create life. All these things have been created by God as a cycle for proof of life. You have to give. David set his affection on God, not on the stuff that he could get. I want you to notice in verse 5 of chapter 29 of 1 Chronicles. We're almost done, amen? Still with me? And for the things, things of gold and things silver, the things of silver... For all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen, this is what David says in verse 5. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? You know, David gave, and when the people saw, you can't, you can't give $4.75 trillion in gold and hide it. So when David's giving, all the people are see, seeing this, and David says now, how many of you are willing to give as well? I don't know about you, but there's something about when you see someone committed to something that moves you. There's something that, that, that moves your heart when you see someone passionate for something. You see a Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. standing up and saying, I have a dream. There were people that didn't have that dream. But because he was committed to something, consecrated to something, because he was willing to give his life for this cause, many people that didn't even have the same dream stood up to support the dream. I need you to understand when you're willing to commit yourself to something, to consecrate yourself to something, other people will join you to help make a difference. Can you look at our community and say that these killings have to stop? Can you look at homelessness and say homelessness needs to stop? Can you look at how our kids are being sold into sex slavery and say this needs to stop? Met with a missionary this week that has homes in Indonesia, Vietnam, and Cambodia for sex slave children that we're going to start supporting. He said they just took in a three-year-old baby that had been used as a sex slave three years Old. Somewhere along the way, we got to get moved to something. We got to move beyond just trying to get by on my own, get through my own life. I got my own issues, my own problems, and start making a difference in this world. Idea of consecration meant filling the hand of setting something aside, and David calls others to join him. Look at this as we close. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14. Look at David's response. After all is said and done, this blows me away. Because this boy just gave seven or four point seven five trillion dollars 
Now, if someone in the church, let's say we're building our church, CWC, we're still meeting in the school because what we could afford is too small and we'd have to go to way too many multiple services and what we need, we can't afford right now. We're going to have a home. When, when we got the Milpitas campus, we could have moved everything over there, but it would have killed what God was doing here. And we're not going to do that. We're called to the east side. That's why we're here. Now, I want you to understand something, though. If someone were to come up to me and say, Pastor, we want to give you $4.75 trillion to build your church. Ever see, Pastor Matt always, always brings up a lottery ticket. This is my wife. This is the wife the Lord want me to have. This is our church. This is the church the Lord want. Somebody got, you see, you're laughing because you've seen that movie, huh? Pastor Matt's always bringing that up. If something like that had happened, <laughs> if something like that had happened, I guarantee you this, that donors usually, you know, we'll, we'll donate to the church, but can you have maybe the fellowship hall named after us? Have a wing, that, that memorial center. King David Memorial. King David's temple built to the Lord. That's not what David says. You don't see anywhere on there a plaque on Solomon's temple that has David's name. Yet he was the one that gave most of the money to build this thing. Look, look what his response is in, in verse 14. But who am I? Come on now. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer willingness at this? Look at David's word. For all these things come from you and of your own we've given. All this stuff belongs to you anyhow. And whatever I'm giving to you is already yours. So whether I give to you big or small, it all belongs to you. And it was David's humility we, we got to stop acting like we're giving God a blessing by what we do for him. we got to start recognizing it all belongs to God to begin with. My life, my breath, my home, my family, my children, my car, all my resources, everything I have is his. Stop acting like you give God a favor when you give your tithe or when you give an offering and start recognizing it all belongs to him. More importantly, you belong to him. That humility. I'm just giving God what belongs to you. That's why God wants you. I want to challenge you this morning. That the, David tells the people, I want you to praise. I want you to bless the Lord. Thank God that God's allowing us to be part of this. I thank God every day that I, I have the opportunity to be part of the greatest revival that's going to hit our nation ever. See, everyone's looking at how bad things are. You need, a, you need an impossibility before a miracle can break out. So you look at how dark America is right now with the things that are going on. I say America's never been more prime for a move of God. But even greater than that, the Bible says that he has determined when we would be born 
where we would live during that time we would be born, which tells me this. Come on, stand to your feet, everyone. Tells me this. In a relay race, who's the fastest runner on a relay team? The what? The anchor runner. The last runner is your fastest. And if we are in the last days, if we are in the last days and God has determined when each generation should live, then God chose this generation because this generation is going to be the strongest, the fastest, the most efficient, that we're going to make up the gap that we lost. You're the anchor runners. It's up to us to begin to take the baton and start running. Don't worry that you're behind. God knew that's why he chose you to run this race. It's on us. I want to challenge you this morning. Heads bowed, eyes closed quickly. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.